0: After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Milbury's gloves are again off for his next chapter as a radio host talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. Brought
1: to you by Catch Us Law. Since 1986, they've had the backs of every hardworking tradesman in New England who finds themselves injured on the work side. You pay nothing unless they win. So get your free consultation today at catcheslaw.com or by calling 508-321-7000.
0: This is Gloves Off Hockey with your host, Mike Milbury, alongside your friend, Ben Rabinovitz. A wild time in the NHL. And Mike, happy to have you back. How are you, bud? i
1: you know what? I just I was listening in early, of course, and I hear about Angelina's and Braintree. I got to get there. It's pretty good, huh? You've been there, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, if you're looking for some homemade Italian pies, man, there's nothing better. And the jumbo, that's no lie either. It takes two pizza boxes to get the thing home.
1: <laughs> well, all right. Enough of the pizza. Let's get back to hockey. Um, I'm going to rehash the week a little bit, which I like to do. I mean, it started with a road trip, a three-game road trip. And the first game was against Colorado and Denver, and it was a 4-0 whitewash in favor of the Bruins. No contest, and Colorado continues to struggle. Uh, I know they have some, some big-time injuries, and in Landeskog and a couple of other guys, but um, it just goes to prove to me uh, how... Put together, the Bruins are right now. I mean, the question I have for you, Ben, is: Is Colorado still? They came into the season as Stanley Cup defending champions. Are they still the team to beat, or is it just too early to tell with the injury
0: factors? I think it's going to be a tough one to tell. You know, there's a lot of fight and there's a lot of passion and dedication for a, a team that's raised a cup and especially just the most recent team to do so. But as we've seen in the past, not every team is built like the Tampa Bay Lightning where you can go for three or four years before all those injuries and player personnel issues finally catch up with you. And it looks like Colorado is faltering just a little bit. Whether that injury bug tends to be the final nail in the coffin for them, I can't say for sure but it certainly looks like it's making a dent in the old lineup. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, there's no
1: doubt. They're middle of the pack right now, which is, you know, I, it, nobody saw that coming. Anyway, so that was the first game of the, the road trip. The second game, they moved on to Arizona. Mullet Arena, which only has, as you know, been 5,000 fans in it. Totally different atmosphere. I've, I, I've never been there. I'd like to get to a game there sometime, and hope, hopefully I will. But uh, lots of Bruins fans. Gut-awfully rowdy, and I don't know if you've heard this, but um, a fight broke out, and one of the participants in the brawl had the tip of his finger bitten off. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Who does that besides Mike Tyson? I mean, it's at a hockey game. And uh, you know, you had a fight and the hockey game broke out, right? <laughs> I did. So,
0: I did like how the announcers put it though. And the uh, I don't know if you saw it from the uh, I believe it was from nhl.com or possibly tsn.ca. They actually said there's been such a lack of fighting this season that the fans have taken it upon themselves. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well,
1: I mean, that's crazy. The game was a decent game, nothing special. It winds up in a tie, going down to the wire. The uh, you know, tied late, Coyotes launched the puck down the ice and the Bruins the linesman was right there and the puck went through the crease I don't know if the whole puck went through the crease but clearly it went through the crease and the linesman right on top of it you know waved off the icing right away but the Bruins somehow had already come to the conclusion that it was going to be an icing and Derek Forbart just stood there like he was going to have tea and and all of a sudden, Arizona picked it up, launched out a centering pass, slam, bam, and it's 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 a loss with fourteen seconds or so to go in the game. A weird one to lose, but I didn't. The Bruins are not characteristically a whining team, but in, after this game, they were whining about the officials. I thought the call was spot on. It just they made a mistake, and you know they have to live with that. But uh, the uh, the next game was Vegas. No trouble with Vegas. I mean, you know, Jake DeBrus continues to score goals, and then they come home. Tough, tough game to come home to. The New York Islanders have given them trouble over the last stretch of games, and they traveled. They traveled all day after the Vegas game. My understanding is they stayed overnight, and they traveled from early in the morning till, you know, probably right around sundown when they finally got home from from out west. And that's a... That's a tough. No matter how you slice it, if you went right away after the game, or if you went the next morning, you're gonna you're gonna pay a little bit of a price. So the, there were danger signs all over the, this this game for the Boston Bruins. Um, but it was both teams were excellent, and both teams were excellent in scoring first. So you got a tired team who's traveled coming back home, and the Islanders are waiting for them. And you know, so that first goal seemed to be really important. Um, and You know, again, it was Ulmark early on in the game last night. By the way, I'll get to it at the end because it's just, just, it kept getting better. The game started sloppily, I thought, but um, Ulmark was good. Saves on Parisi three minutes in. And how many times have we said that about Ulmark that he's just made the timeless save? Just clearly becoming the number one goaltender for the Boston Bruins. Um, And by the way, the Islanders goaltender, Varlamov, made a couple of big stops on Postinark early and. Pajo hit the post but you know the bruins get a little bit of a break with with uh parisi interferes with almark and they go to work on a power play which has been deadly the Brus cashes in bing bang power play goal and then they get a lucky bounce off a of redirection and i'm i'm thinking so far two nothing boston that I, I think new york has been the better team <laughs> and then Double deflection goal with one off of Flino and Josh Bailey and weird stuff like that happened. So they made it two to one, and that makes it interesting going into the second period. Noah Dobson tied it up. That that man can shoot the puck. Yep, he's a big, strong dude, and he he just he, he could. I think that was his ninth goal of the uh, of the season. But Boston turned the tables on the Islanders, who, who have been the most most prolific uh, offensive team from the blue line of any team in the National Hockey League this year. But shorthanded, the Bruins rushed out, and Derek Forber jumped up and and into the play and got a great feed from Pavel Zaka. And he made no mistake. I mean, it was no mistake in this this one. It was a a a pretty nice goal and a great feed from Zaka. And this is a so we go to the third and we're we're seeing a one-goal lead. Both teams were great in this. These were better defensively in the third. And then another crazy bounce when New York threw the puck out front and Sezikis wound up with a lucky bounce and ricochets off of four, but I think he wasn't involved in the game? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it was a slugfest. I mean, there were so many near misses in this one. So it just the game seemed to gain momentum. But, you know, you got your money's worth out of this one. There isn't any doubt about it. But I did want to mention, you know, I, last couple weeks, I've been on Zaka. Um I guess it's kind of the lack of emotion that he plays with, but there no, there isn't a lack of competitiveness. You know, he's not a big guy, but you know, a bulky guy. But I don't know if you remember, and I don't want to compare him to John Rattel. It's unfair to John Rattel who was such a Hall of Fame player, but Zucker has strength in his forearms. So when he pushes his puck, to, his stick down on the ice, it's tough to get it away from him. He's really, it's interesting that way. And... Another point I'd like to make about Zaka is his versatility. I mean, Krejci's out; they have got to find somebody to play center, and he's young enough so that if if he can figure it out and become a number two center when Krejci and Bergeron depart for you know their retirements, they might have something in Zaka. I mean, he's really he's played, some, you know, I think better and better, fitting in better and better. I'd like to see him shoot the puck a little bit more, but hopefully that'll come. And the other guy I wanted to mention is we just talked about Derek Forbert. I mean, he, he's, he's on the ice for the most minutes of any defenseman on, on the Bruins roster on the penalty kill. I think it's 93% of the penalties uh, are killed off when Derek Forbert is on the ice. He's really become what I think they wanted him to be, which is a physical player, um, a guy, but a guy that also still is willing to, like the rest of the team, to get, get up into the rush. I don't think he's ever going to be a 10 or 15 goal scorer, but um, he's becoming, you know, a visibly reliable defender. Uh, would you agree with that, Ben?
0: I absolutely would, and I will say the bar was not exactly set very high when we when he came over from Edmonton, and You know, uh, even on a couple of other programs that I've been involved with, one individual even challenged Forbert to a race with one arm tied behind his back. That's how much little faith there was in his skating game, but that was the first season we had him. We've had him now two, three seasons now, and I mean, you're right, he's looking like a defensive rock out there, which is great. That's exactly what the Bees needed on that back end, and nobody actually, I don't think, thought Forbert was going to be that guy when he arrived, but Man, oh man, like you just said, Mike, he really is fit right into that role, and that's complemented McAvoy, Lindholm, and for all intents and purposes, even Carlo to a degree. And I was actually just looking at the list of uh, of players overall right now and uh, looking to see just through anybody that doesn't have a goal yet, and I'm noticing the only one left that uh, is on the every night roster besides the goaltenders is Brandon Carlo, still goalless.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can live with that. I mean, as long as he can – and I don't think we're going to live with the fact that he's – He's also a plus not,
0: 12, so that's a plus. Yeah, that's
1: good. I mean, he, <laughs> I haven't seen him making mistakes. I, I don't think we're ever going to get the physicality out of him that all of us would like at his size. But, you know, if he can be steady, Eddie, and play good defense, even if you don't bring the, you know, the punishing part of the game to to the table – uh, I think you can live with a big, strong guy who can front people in the in the off in the defensive zone, who can move people out, and not like he's intimidated. it's just wish he'd be a little have a little more snarl, if you know what I mean.
0: Absolutely. I mean, even if you look at some of the other defensive pairings out there, Connor Clifton finds himself a plus thirteen right now. Two goals, seven assists. Not too shabby a season at all. And again, even last season. He, we, there were doubters on the Clifton camp and he's another guy that just like Derek Forbert clearly got the message from management or coaching and adjusted accordingly. And now here we are rolling right along. And yeah, he's part of that. You success. know what? And let me,
1: let me just finish up the recap of the game last night. The overtime was, just, it was just sensational. There were wow. just play <laughs> after play and big save after big save. I mean, all versus Varlamov was just, it was a, you know, great creativity. They used all the space they could possibly get. They had a breakaway. The Islanders did. Bruins had a two-on-one chance. I mean, and then I thought to myself, well, uh, the shootout's probably going to be anticlimactic. Far from it. I mean, yeah, how wrong I mean, you were. <laughs> I mean, the goal by DeBrusque was, you know, you could see, to me, it showed the level of confidence that he's, he's risen to in his career whatever problems plagued him in the past it looks like he was he came in he was comfortable waited his time and when it when it, and the when the opportunity presented itself he sniped and it was it was a terrific goal they made it interesting who scored was it Bailey i think scored for uh, New York oh. doesn't matter but then the game hinges on what Poissoner can do and <laughs> he done did it and he done did it as right. I mean, he, he. You know, it's funny. I all these guys on the pen on the the penalty shots were, um, and they mentioned it, Brick and Jack Edwards. That they really have slowed it down. It makes it difficult for the goalies to get read. Remember, it was people used to speed up on the penalty shot to get some movement so they could go laterally with some some speed, but now they just push it forward. They change speeds from. From medium to slow to slower and and then and then quick moves at the end, which is what Pasternak did on the game winner, and it, and it was, you know, I don't know how the goalies adjust to that, but it's a it clearly is a trend, and it's been a trend towards more successful uh, penalty shots and and the shootout. So, interesting game, one I think for me, the game of the year, and we're gonna have uh, a guest on in a minute, Kevin Kurz, who's the covers the New York Islanders and. You know, I'm wondering, with a team like the Islanders playing like that last night, how can they have lost five out of their last seven games and be in the position where they're at? We'll find out what he has to say when we come back, Ben.
0: That's right. You're listening to Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury and your friend Ben Rabenovitz here on 1510 WMEX being brought to you by Ketches Law. Right back at it here on Gloves Off Hockey, Mike Milbury in the house and we have a very special guest joining us, Mike.
1: We do. Uh, joining us is Kevin Kurz, the beast beat writer for The Athletic covering the New York Islanders. So it's a, it's a timely visit. How are you, Kevin? Good, Mike. How's it going? It's going. Hey, listen, are you, you came to Long Island how long ago?
2: Uh, really, like almost exactly a year ago. Um, I, I, I was originally in Philadelphia. I worked for the Flyers for 10, for 10 years, and then I covered the Sharks for 10 years. So it's kind of been, kind of been back and forth.
1: And are you living on the island now?
2: I'm in Astoria, so I wanted to be close to Manhattan, but, it, you know, close, also close enough that I can drive out um, to where the Islanders are. You know, they have that, that gorgeous new rink, so it's, it's a lot easier to get to, to, to that rink now from, you know, from the city.
1: Right. Uh, t- tell me about the new building, actually, which has been open just about a year now. But, but, you know, when I was on Long Island, we obviously played at the Coliseum, which was, you know, uh, functionally a dump. I mean, we had <laughs> twice where the 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 restrooms above the locker rooms, uh, the the floors collapsed, and we had sewage all over the professional New York Islanders locker rooms, and it took us weeks to clean it up. It was, it was gross. But yeah. uh, when the game was play, being played, and it was a big game, it was a Ranger game, it was a playoff game, the, the building could be electric. Is there any of that in the new spot?
2: I, I think there is, and... You know it, it's it's tough for me to speak on how much the fans appreciate having a home now but that is the sense i've gotten just from from the people that i've talked to and and what i've seen on social media is that getting this building was obviously something that that they've wanted for so long and um it, it really is a, a a beautiful arena um the, the locker room's beautiful the the i think it's it's one of those that it's big, but it's not too big. I feel like some of these other buildings feel way too cavernous, and and this one doesn't feel like that to me. Um, and I think the building in Detroit also did a good job with that too, where it, it, it's big, but it still it still feels like it still keeps that atmosphere. You know, when the teams there have been a couple of games, especially this season, where the Islanders have come back, they've they've had a, a fair amount of third period comebacks, and that place has been loud, man. It's been rocking and um obviously this year it helps that the team's a little bit better than last year Uh, they had trouble gaining any traction at all at any point last season but um i I think that the the finally that now that they have this home is something that the players that have been here a while i think certainly appreciated and and the fans for sure um you know that building has been pretty full more nights than not And, and even when The building's not at capacity it still to me has a pretty good atmosphere for hockey
1: well before we get to the team i i want to talk quickly about my old friend and colleague lou lamarillo still (laughs) controlling everything under the sun in the organization (laughs) is he at about what 75 he's 80 is he 80 oh my gosh wow i didn't even realize that his
2: birthday not too long ago yeah um yeah, that, that's the sense I get. I mean, you know, obviously information is kind of at a premium. And, um, you know, like just for example, we, we don't really have much of a sense when Adam Pellick's going to return. Um, and, and, you know, he's the, one of the most important players, if not if not the most important. Uh, when you lose, you know, teams have lose, lost their top defensive defensemen and, and they crumble sometimes, right? So uh, that's a little frustrating. I think fans get frustrated that too um my opinion has always been that when players are out if you don't want to tell us what the specific injury is i think that fans are owed a timeline um at least you know if you're if you're buying tickets to a game three weeks from now because you want to see some certain player and you're not sure if he's going to play or not you know, just to me that that's, that's something that i wish they were a little bit more um clear about and and i had those same battles with doug wilson when i was in san jose he was he was very much like lou in the way that that he kept stuff close to the vest like that um and then you know lane lambert's the, the head coach now and lane is yeah, I think before it's you get to lane were you surprised lane when is he also ca- pretty he doesn't really go into the kind of detail that barry trotz did when
1: when yeah Barry's yeah well i sure. want to ask you were you surprised when he fired trots did that surprise you
2: it did i don't think anyone blamed barry Trotz for what happened here last season um it, it was it so much of it i think was circumstantial and 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 obviously none no one wants to make an excuse no hockey player wants to make an excuse but the way they started last season with 13 on the road and then they were really the first of one of two teams to have to play through a COVID outbreak and the league didn't do them any favors when they made them play through it early before they started shutting games down. And in the second half of the season, this is an older team. They had the most compacted schedule of any NHL team in the second half. So right away that was going to prevent them from ever getting back into the mix because there was just too many games and too short a period of time crammed all together and so, again, I don't think anyone blamed Barry for, for what happened. But that said, they are playing, first of all, it's a more entertaining style, I would say, under Lane Lambert. And, and they've had some moderate success so far. They're hanging in there. I still think they're short some pieces up front, but um, that's not Lane's fault. He's working with what he has, and, and I think he's done a pretty good job so far.
1: Um, it's no surprise that he'd keep things close to the vest because Lou's not going to have it any other way. You know, you mm-hmm. have to, if you're working for Lou, you're going to have to follow Lou's rules. And, you know, I guess he can be on his own in the locker room, but when it comes to public perception and, and interviews, he's going to keep it close to the vest. Anyway, let's get to the team. The honors, my understanding, have lost now five out of seven. Is that correct?
2: Um, yeah, Yeah. okay, counting the overtime loss, yeah. That's right.
1: right. But yeah. But last night in Boston, were you in Boston? I wasn't. I was not. I'm in Tempe right now. Well, it was a sensational game. You must have seen it or parts of it anyway. I did, yeah. But it was Mm -hmm. also very quirky. And my thinking was, I mean, this was – I know Boston came off a tough travel schedule. But the Islanders went toe-to-toe with them and right into the overtime, which was great. And I know they've had success against the Bruins recently. That's the toughest I've seen a team play against the Bruins. I mean, they've lost some games, but this was – this was, most of the games the Bruins have been able to dominate they didn 't dominate that game last night in any way, shape, or form. How, are they not playing like they played last night regularly and, and why
2: no, I would say they 're not playing that reg- way regularly. I think there have been too many times where they 've played down to the competition, and that 's why the record is sort of you know it 's decent so far right seventeen twelve and one that 's a, a playoff position i think they 're in the first wild card spot right now, but there have been times where you know they they got shut out by Arizona for god's sakes for example um a couple weeks ago they dropped a game to the flyers um they've had to come back a couple times against teams where some of the teams which are top teams that they had they had one their most exciting game of the season so far was a three goal comeback against colorado um but then you know they go into columbus the day after thanksgiving and They have to fight in the third period to come back and beat them. So I think they just, I think they know that when they are all playing on the same page and and playing their brand of hockey, they're a really good team. But they just haven't done it consistently enough for whatever reason. And maybe that's just the case of a veteran team knowing when to turn it on, knowing that this might not necessarily be the most important time of year. But when they've played against these top teams, they, they really have shown up. Um, and if they don't win those games, they're at least close, and and that was the case last night, so we'll see if they can get away with that, Um, but at some point I think you would like to see a little bit more consistency um, with this group, because um, it it has been a little bit too inconsistent, and there have been too many times, particularly early in the season, where they had to rely on the goaltending to get them by, and um, Sorokin has still been good, but maybe not quite as good as he was early on, so You know, maybe yeah. I wanted
1: to. (laughs) I wanted to get to the goaltenders first. I mean, Varlamov was sensational last night, and just almost as good as Ulmark, except for one Pasternak beauty of a goal. But he's Mm -hmm. 34. I think they expected him to be a backup, but he's seven and three. And and Sorokin is ten and nine. Is that on Sorokin, or is it on team defense, or defense in particular?
2: Well, Sorokin hasn't gotten as much goal support, particularly in some of the home losses, um, it, which is uh, funny because last year, last year was the direct opposite. It wasn't; it was Varlamov who wasn't getting the goal support. Um, but you know, Varlamov is thirty-four for, for a little while there. It was, I think, the first twelve games. The pattern was Sorokin would play two, Varlamov one. Sorokin two, Varlamov one, and and that to me seemed like a pretty good balance for, you know, you don't want to overwork Sorokin yet. He's He's still you know a youngish goalie in terms of experience in the league, and Varlamov's a good goalie, you know he struggled a little bit last year because he was coming he was coming into the season off of surgery, he didn't have a training camp, he missed the first few weeks of the season. So I think that led to his struggles. Um, I've had goalies tell me in the past, as you have too, I'm sure, Mike, that training camp is so vital for these goalies to get their games in order. And when they don't have training camp and they miss the early part of the season, that's a huge – it's really tough for them to catch up. And I think that happened with Barlamov last year, but he's still a pretty darn good goalie. I mean, 34, he's not quite over the hill, and I think they have a good relationship. I don't think this is a, a situation where – Either one of them will get upset if the other one is getting playing time, and it's a really nice luxury for the Islanders to have. And, and to me, that's the strength of their team as their goaltending tandem.
1: Well, I mean, and what about the blue line? I mean, it looks like this Noah Dobson can really bring it, can he?
2: Yeah, he he really. It was the second half last year where he really broke through. Um, he had he had some early moments early in the season where he was turning it over a little bit too much, but he's big. He, he can, he's, he's mobile. He can get shots through. He can run that, um, top power play unit and yeah, they have huge hopes for for Noah Dobson.
1: And how would you describe Alex Romano's game? That, that was a big trade for Lou. Gave up a first yeah. round pick, did he not? And, uh, I mean, I, I noticed him last night. I noticed him trying to be physical and, uh, He's, he's a young guy with a good size. It seems like he competes. Is that fair? Well, they
2: needed someone to replace Chara, right? And, and so when you're looking for guys either, I guess, on the trade market or free agency, you've got to find someone that's a little bit physical. And so obviously that's the guy they had targeted. They gave up a pretty high price to get him. But he's still just 22. He's either 22 or 23 years old. So giving up a first-round pick for a guy that is – you envision to be in your lineup for a long time. And they, they, they quickly signed him to a three-year contract extension. They needed someone. The original thought was to play him with Dobson and Lambert split that up maybe 10 games ago. And now he's got him with Scott Mayfield. And, you know, with Adam Pellick out, it kind of puts everything a little bit in a blender, but um, there's, there, they just need romanov to, to be physical, but they need him to be smart when he, when he's physical. And, and I think for the most part, he's done that. And, There was a game in New Jersey um, last Friday where he really changed the momentum of the game. The Islanders went 4-2 on the Devils, and the Devils were starting to come. They were starting to really skate, and Romanov absolutely ran over Miles Wood in a clean, hard, open ice hit. And the Islanders got the momentum back after that. They went on a couple of power plays and they took took a 5-2 lead going into the second intermission. So that was really a a signature moment for him early on. Um, And I think something that they're looking for him to do often.
1: Well, I mean, we've been talking in Boston about Jim Montgomery's desire to have the defense included in the offense, but nobody's doing it any better than the Islanders right now, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I would, yeah, I would, I would say that. Um, you I,
1: know, think I think they lead looking, the, I think they lead the league in goal scoring from the defensive in goals, position. Yeah.
2: They, they did, they did for a little while. And that's, you know, that's what Lane Lambert has stressed is he wanted um, the defenseman to get more involved uh, offensively, whether it's keeping pucks in the blue line or getting a little bit more aggressive in, in the, uh, in the neutral zone. and, I think the guys like playing that way a little bit more too. You know, I'm, I remember just talking to them early in training camp, and I think they were all excited to to to, to, to get involved more, to play maybe a, a little more high risk game, uh, obviously a smart game, but but to to get involved in the offense. And um, a lot of them have have been able to do that, and I think it, it's it's been necessary. be just because when you look at this team and you look at this roster, it's it's the forward group that is a little bit concerning and a little bit lackluster and that's probably the one place where if they're going to upgrade this team at some point it's going to have to be at forward it's going to have right. to be probably a, another scoring winger or two what are their top six them, seriously
1: what are their top six forwards you have to call it brock nelson Anders Lee, barzell yeah, uh
2: barzell's in there um is Beauvillier you know, they,
1: when he's in the lineup
2: yeah i mean yeah i i they it, hoped
1: he would be what's that they hoped he would be top six, right?
2: They hoped he would, too. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're hoping Oliver Wallstrom um, kind of emerges, too. And I think he's taken some steps here over the, the last couple of weeks. They've had him with Barzell for a little while. Um, you know, Zach Parisi's having a good year. I think he's got nine goals. Um, but is he a guy that you want to play in the top six at this stage? Of his no, career? no, he's a third-line yeah.
1: player for sure. Watching him last night, yeah. he's never – he's already a laboring skater, but last night you could see was even slower than he had been. But, yeah. well, uh, what are your expectations in the end for the club?
2: I still see them as a as a playoff bubble team. I, I, think, I think they're right where they deserve to be right now, frankly, uh, in that first wild card spot because th- there are – like I said, I think the roster is – is still need, they still need to upgrade it in a couple areas. I mean, that was the biggest source of frustration for this fan base was that this was a team that going back to last season, they weren't going to make the playoffs at the trade deadline. They didn't make any trades. Uh, they go into the offseason. And Lou himself even mentioned, you know, the fact that he was going to have to make some hockey trades to upgrade the roster. And he didn't do that. There weren't any trades made, there weren't any significant free agent signings. And so basically it was run, run back with the same, same crew and it's kept them afloat right now, but I, I think at some point he's going to have to do something. And again, it's going to have to be something with, with the forward group because they just lack a little bit. They just lack scoring power a little bit on the wings, um, at least for my liking and, 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 in a perfect world they'll find someone that can really mesh with Barzell, uh, because I think he's playing really well. And, um, he's still their most offensively talented player. And it's just been a struggle to find anyone to, to really mesh with Barzell since Jordan Eberle left. Um,
1: We've got to take a quick break. Can you join us for another little segment here, Kevin? Sure. Yep. Okay, thanks. No problem, Mike. We'll be right back yeah. to you.
0: Right back at it here on Gloves Off Hockey with your host, Mike Milbury, and special guest, New York Islanders beat writer, Kevin Kurz on the fun line.
1: All right, Kevin, let's – Take a little scoot around the uh, metropolitan division. I mean, nobody around here saw the Bruins in this position at this time of the year. they Really, no nobody saw it coming. Um, yeah. But what about New Jersey? I mean, nobody saw that coming either. Tell me about <laughs> them. I mean, where does it? I mean, now they got that T- Hughes and Hescher and Jesper Bratt, but I mean, nobody saw it coming together this quickly.
2: Yeah, it was. It- you know, they've been really fun to watch. I remember seeing them early in the season. I think it was the Islanders' fourth game, and they just skated all around them. And you're like, what? What? What's wrong with the Islanders? How are they letting the New Jersey Devils <laughs> do this to them? And it turned out it was, you know, it was uh, a sign of things to come. But I, I think I, what I thought was interesting. I, I'd love to get your take on this, Mike. Was the other day um, after Alex Romanov ran over Miles Wood, Cal Clutterbuck said something to the effect of. If they're going to skate around in the offensive zone like that with their heads down, that's what's going to happen. And to me, that's that might be what's lacking a little bit on that team, right? Do they, do they need a little bit more size? Do they need a little bit more? Well, they don't do need it on the blue line.
1: They, they don't need it on the blue line. I mean, Dougie Hamilton yeah. is six six, Kevin Ball is six six, Ryan Graves is six five, and the other three guys in the blue line or four guys are six two, six two, six two, and six one. So they're plenty big back there. But you know. Your point is good, I and mean, they don't have – up front, they don't have that kind of muscle, and that could be a problem. I, I wonder about Jack Hughes and Heischer's ability to stay healthy. They're not big. They're crafty. They're kind of Patrick yeah. Kane-like. I don't want to make them Patrick Kane or Artemi Panarin just yet, but that's their their game is their skill and their craftiness, And but their size does concern me.
2: Yeah. And they're goaltending too. I would think too. You know.
1: Well, the, the where did Vitek Vanacek come from? Vanacek has yeah. played extraordinarily well. I mean, this has been this has been the find to answer a problem that's been there for a, a long time. I mean, they're third in goals against right now, and I think they're second in goals for, somewhere around that. They're, they're getting it done at both ends of the ice. I think their special teams are the only thing that has a. A little bit of improvement to go on. But but they certainly look like they're for real. Can you go that far?
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting now that they've lost three in a row. How are they going to deal with with some adversity, right? It's kind of the first time, maybe other than the first week of the season, where they're dealing with that. Well, you Um,
1: know the Rangers beat them the other night in overtime, and that's a game that the Rangers are struggling. That's the next team I want to talk about. What's up with them? I had them – like, I had them – taking the next step and going towards a conference final and maybe even even a Stanley Cup final. But right now, they're a bubble team. I mean, I, I know the goalie had a rough, little bit of a rough start. Shosturkin was otherworldly last year, but he started off as a normal goaltender. Lately, he's been good. But what's the issue? I, you know, that's
2: a good question. I mean, I, if, if you go back to last season, I remember, you know, they're five-on-five, numbers were not great right they they almost relied on shesterkin a little bit too much and then you know when he was struggling a little bit this season maybe that was coming back to bite them a little bit but but you know their their power and, and their power play right they were relying on that early when they were winning some games and that you know went cold a little bit so um yeah that's it, it's it's a good question you know is that a team too that's going to go out and look to add right because they they could probably use a little bit more more offense too and if yeah that I, I think they mean, can right?
1: and one of the yeah. things i think that has been disappointing is the lack of advancement and capo caco was second overall and alexis lafreniere who was the first overall mm-hmm. pick i mean they haven't really done the things that guys like jack Hughes and nico he sure have
2: yeah, and, you know, it's, at some point, right, time's kind of getting shorter. Those guys going to, you, you know, every team has those guys, right, that they're just sort of the young guys waiting for them to pop a little bit. Like here it's Beauvillier and Wallstrom that we talked about, but they weren't top two picks. <laughs> so, you know, when are those guys going to gonna start having more of an impact? It, it, it's fair. You know, they, I know they had some nice moments in the playoffs last year, and you would hope they would build off of that if you're a Rangers fan, but it, it, it hasn't quite happened, right?
1: Yeah maybe the, maybe the game Monday and a big win against a, which now is a newly re- revived rivalry against the New Jersey um gives them some juice and can carry them forward but I I just have been surprised that um I think they're better than that. I mean they have some dynamic forwards up front. I mean Panarin is fun to watch. I mean Kreider has mm-hmm. been incredible on the uh on the power play. I mean they seem yeah. to be I mean, they they seem to have a one-two punch at center that's that's pretty darn good, but um, it hasn't come together, and I'm I've just been surprised by that. Um, yeah. Tell me about <laughs> you know the Pittsburgh Penguins went the geriatric route over the summer. They signed all their old <laughs> guys, and they thought uh, they thought they you know it was going to be another last run or maybe two years of a run, and and they started off. And a brutal stretch, but they are now ten one and one in the last twelve. Is this going to last? Yeah, that's you know, that's
2: one team I haven't actually seen the Penguins yet. We we haven't seen them at all. Um, but you know, anytime you got Crosby and Latang and Malkin, right? And and I know, you know, I I always thought Jeff Carter was an underrated player, and then when he gets there from LA, he was he was really good at first and. He's another guy that's a little bit older. Um, can he continue to produce at the pace he, he has since he's been a Penguin? I think that's a huge key for them um, because I think he can still be such a difference maker when he's on his game. With his, I, I, Frankly, I think he's al- always been one of the more underrated players in the league um, just for his two-way play and, and, and what he can do. Um, I think he's kind of
1: so. worked his way back to the third line, and I guess at this stage of his career that's not all bad because if they get nicked – They can always move him up front, but you know, Gensel, Rust, uh, Ricard, Raquel, Jeff Carter go along with Crosby and Malkin. It's pretty good selection of top six forwards, and and it looks like Tristan Jarry is becoming a pretty reliable goaltender.
2: Yeah, and I I just can't see that team missing the playoffs, can you? I mean,
1: well, I did earlier in the year on
2: that roster. I just
1: even when they were earlier in the year, and then all of a sudden um, they caught they caught a wind. And um yeah. That's a, that's a hell of a run 10-1 and 1. It
2: is, yeah. Yeah, I mean wow. the whole and the Capitals are doing the same thing right. I'm I just going that's are the next five team. In a
1: row. They're 7-2 yeah. and 1 in their last 10 games and they're um and they're doing it without Wilson, they're doing it without Backstrom. Um those are huge losses for them. I don't know if Backstrom's ever going to come back, but um what are their odds of breaking through and making a playoff run?
2: yeah I mean that was the team that I thought early if if you asked me early in the season that was the team I didn't really have much faith in, right I thought they were going to be the ones that sort of slipped back um this season, but <laughs> you know maybe they're getting maybe they're getting fueled a little bit by by Ovechkin's gold chase right you know he saw he gets eight hundred last night and they shower him in champagne when he comes into the dressing room and maybe that's given them a little bit of a jolt
1: well, I know it's given Ovi a jolt i i, I people that I talk to around the team. Seem to think his quest of Gretzky's goal-scoring records is very, very important to him. And why wouldn't it be? I mean, to to catch a guy like Gretzky. And you know, we were, you know, talking to somebody earlier today. We're talking about point streaks, which Mitch Marner is now up to twenty-three, and he's in sight of catching uh, Crosby at Mm twenty-five and Patrick Kane at twenty-six for the longest. Active player go, uh, point streak, but you know the top two, <laughs> the top two are just ridiculous. Fifty-one from Gretzky and forty-six from Mario Lemieux. That's straight <laughs> yeah. games points and straight games. It's just mind-boggling, isn't it?
2: Yeah, but you know, like if 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 it's going to happen, I mean, goal scoring keeps going up, right? I, I think it's it's higher now than it was even last year, and last year was the highest in like twenty-some years, right? So.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, part of that is... I can't
2: see going 40 games, but...
1: <laughs> no, but part of it, it too, is you can't sneeze without getting a penalty. Some of the chintzy penalties that I've seen this year are just enough to make me want to puke. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yep, we're in agreement there, boys.
1: <laughs> um, and lastly, I want to talk to you a little bit about Carolina. Have you got a view on them? They seem to be quietly under the radar, but they and they've been good the last couple of years, but can they... Can, is their goaltending good enough? Can they break through? Can they become a, an elite team? Can they get to a Stanley Cup final? I, I, I'm not sure yet. I, they seem to be, I don't know, lacking in identity. Is that fair? Yeah,
2: I, I don't. I, I mean, they were my preseason Stanley Cup pick. And one of the reasons why was was because I thought them getting Brent Burns Um, in place of Tony D'Angelo was a, was a real upgrade. Um, I mean, Brent. maybe I'm a little biased because I covered Brent Burns for 10 years on the Sharks, but he's a guy that keeps real good care of himself. I think he can be an effective player as he gets older in age. And he was real good the other night when, when they were on the Island, Um, the the Islanders weren't very good and they, they got smoked pretty good three, nothing. But um, I, I do like that team. You know, they, they, They've had their playoff disappointments that I think sometimes you need before you take that next step. And I think they're gonna be a team that's that's gonna go into the playoffs with something to prove and and I think I do really think they have the talent just up and down the lineup and, and you gotta love Rod Brindamore as the coach, don't you? Know? I mean just yeah, the you way you can get these guys fired Rob, up I think. Rob is, the
0: bod. I just
1: uh, yeah. I just wonder I just wonder about their goaltending but you know, you yeah. can't do it without the goaltending, and it's got to be good. It's got to be consistent. And, and you know, I mean, we saw Colorado win it last year with just an average goaltender, and so it can be done. But, you know, I'd much rather take my chances with Tim Thomas than an average goalie. So, anyway, yeah. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your updates. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you got it
2: anytime, Mike. That was a pleasure. Thanks. All right. See ya.
0: Gloves off hockey here with Mike Milbury and your friend Ben Rabinovitz. It's beautiful night here in Boston. Mike, that was great to have Kevin on with us and giving us a real good look down at the Islanders lineup and kind of around the division here. But we got a lot to break down here with these bees. Still, we got to look ahead to the game with the Kings coming up tomorrow night at TD Garden, and then we've got uh, quite a homestand ahead of us here. But yeah, five in a row, Ben, which is you know good,
1: especially around the holiday. I
0: think they have one.
1: I don't know if it's Jersey on the 23rd, but it's, um, it's a good chance to, uh, you know, sort of solidify things. Not that they haven't solidified things at home, but, um, you know, I was going to use this, this segment to talk about a couple of things. One of them is disappointments. <laughs> and we're not having any disappointment around this town, is there? <laughs> no, but if you, it was no but if, lost
0: November for the Celtics no, and the Bees. And,
1: and, but if you're, if you're Florida and you're their GM, Bill Zito, you might be wondering if the big trade for Matthew Tuchuk was all that it was cracked up to be. Because they're 14-12-4. and four. Their special teams have been yucky. Um, Tuchuk has played well. But but worse than that, and this is no fault of Zitos, Sergei Bobrovsky is supposed to be an elite goaltender. Right now, he definitely is not. His record is 6-8. and eight. He's their number one guy, although... You know their backup Knight has Spencer Knight has been has a better record has played better his save percentage is ugly 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 at 889. When you're under 900 save percentage, you got a problem. He's given up three and a half goals per game, and he was signed in 2019 by XGM Dale Town to a seven-year, 70 million dollar contract. He had been a two-time Vezina Trophy winner. But he also has the ability to let you down, which he did in Columbus, and he's doing right now in Florida. When you're committed that much to this guy, you expect a better performance. And, and this is another example of him uh, swallowing the apple in critical moments. And funny, when I talk about disappointments, the flip side of that huge trade, the biggest trade of the summer, uh, the Tachuk deal, the flip side belongs to Calgary. There was panic in Calgary when Johnny Goudreau left as a free agent, right? He goes to Columbus. I still mm-hmm. don't know why he decided Columbus was the place for him. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> but hy- hysteria followed in Calgary when Tuchuk demanded a trade. So their GM's on the hot seat. He's got to do something, and he-, and he tried to pull a rabbit out of his hat. He gets Huberto and Wegar Ma- and from pretty good Mackenzie Wegar, solid defenseman, uh, and he signs Nazem Kadri as a free agent and all of a sudden he's the darling of the Canadian hockey media. He's this is gonna, this whole thing is going to turn around and it's going to be we've we've turned a puddle of mud into a, a straw of gold. And and I, I all of a sudden Huberto can't get out of his own way. Weeger looks like a less than average defenseman. Nazem Kadri's playing pretty well, but uh, they're a middle of the pack team in every category, but maybe penalty killing. I mean, we thought, from what reading what they said about this team in in, in in the off season in Canada, you thought they were anointed to be a, at least a, you know, conference finalist. But, you know, on the other side, the positive side, surprises. We've already talked about Boston and Jersey, Dallas and Winnipeg are surprises too, but Seattle continues to amaze. I mean, nothing sticks out about this club. All the retread guys, like I've said this in the past, you can't find a crack in in and league-leading totals. The the highest-ranking point getter is Andre Burakovsky, who's ranked 59th or 60th in point scoring. Good pickup for Ron Francis, but hardly a franchise player. So what's making this work? Couple bright spots. Matty Beniers, local kid. Hangman like, kid. Yeah, it looks like he's a uh, making a case to be a Calder Trophy candidate, but you know he's not. Running the show, it's just this good solid year for for him as a rookie, and then you come to the goaltender. Martin Jones is 13 and five. I mean, his save percentage isn't anything, you know, anything spectacular, but he's been their best player. They 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 have Jones, and they have a group that sticks together, and they're believing in themselves, and the playoffs have become a real possibility. So that's my second positive or my first positive surprise, but the, other, next, the last one, the second one, will maybe surprise you, Ben. But Toronto was figured to be an offensive powerhouse, but they've fizzled in the playoffs because their goaltending and defense have not been very good. Uh, and scoring has never been a problem. It's defending and goaltending uh, that have been lacking. Apparently not anymore. The two retread goalies... Ilya Samsonov is 9-2, 936-8 percentage. Matt Murray, 7-1. I mean, he couldn't stop a beach ball for a while there. And, and their defense loses their best player, Morgan Riley, and a regular in Jake Muzzin, and they're rolling. They have a 15-game point streak, 15 games. That's a lot of games to get at least one point, 12-0-3. And Mitch Marner, we talked about earlier on, a, on his own personal point streak of uh 23 games and and it's it's just been a marvel to me to see Toronto who looked like they were going to be just another team with that goaltending tandem and that set of defensemen but somehow just like the Kraken they've started to believe in themselves and they've come together
0: absolutely and you know I'm just as shocked by the Maple Leafs right now as you are I mean we all watched the beginning of the season unfold the way that it did and it looked like it was going to be another one of those their year kind of situations Uh, coming from the Boston fan perspective we always love watching the Maple Leafs the Montreal Canadiens and a few other choice teams kind of twirl in the wind for a while there but yeah go figure you lose a couple of top uh, defensive guys and all of a sudden, the whole dynamic changes. And, you know, that's just one of those weird things in hockey that no coach, no GM, no anybody really could really plan that out. It's just part of the game. The hockey gods woke up one day and said, you know what, it's going to start to work now. And lo and behold, look at it. Man Murray, like you just said, on fire. We were writing him off just a few short weeks ago.
1: Yeah, he, I know. And he has been a great goaltender. And, uh, you know, we'll see if the other guys – can live up to it but you know there's nothing like hockey to have the group mentality come together to give you some success guys hang in there against some adversity like their defense going down with injury um, guys like Murray Samsonov getting a second opportunity or maybe a third opportunity to get the job done and all of a sudden you know these are proud professional athletes and and Toronto is looking like um they want to make a they want to make a statement here. Tavares is having a great year, Marna's having a great year, Nylander is getting his points. Um Matthews as we talked about has been playing both ends of the ice and if your best player is going to be like that, he's obviously a great goal scorer but in order to get it done in the playoffs, we all know you got to have a solid number 1 center who also believes in playing in his own zone and it looks like Austin Matthews Has figured that out.
0: What do um, I? Go ahead, ahead. Ben. I was I was just going to ask you if you had any updated thoughts on where you thought Patrick Kane was going to land in the trade deals coming up, but it's been a wildfire of the rumor mill to say the least.
1: Well, you know, I don't know what to believe. I mean, the Rangers were in the hunt. Could they use them? Can they afford them? What do they have to give up? Boston certainly. You know, we want to make a statement game. I'd think Patrick Kane would love to be in either Boston or New York. I mean, Toronto certainly doesn't need him. Um, The Islanders could probably use somebody like that. Um,
0: And also, Sean Monaghan out of the uh, Canadians. I mean, even though they just picked him up after Calgary kind of went kapoots for a little bit there, uh, now they're talking about him looking for a new home as well.
1: Well, I know Kent Hughes, the GM in Montreal, is he's not going to sit still. He knows he's got work to do in front of him. You know, I don't think Patrick Kane certainly is not a destination for him. He doesn't want to be there. and I, I'm going to assume Kane has right of refusal over any destination, but um, he's going to want to go. If he's going to go anywhere, he's going to want to go to a, a team where he can have fun and content, and that means he's going to factor in who is the coach what, how good is the team, and what is their style? And you know, the money's in the bank. He's 10, 11 million, whatever he's making a year. he's not going away. He's not going to lose that. but he's uh, clearly a guy that people are going to covet down the end, and, and uh, he'll have some say, and in, in the end, I think he'll have a, a good deal of say in where he goes. So it'll be interesting to watch. But while we're on top end players, taking a stab today. I was look, looking at Eric Carlson, his stats as a defenseman. This guy was an offensive dynamo in Ottawa, and he kind of lost it, got hurt for a while. Remember, now I think he's sixth overall in scoring. And it led me to start thinking about, it's early, but Norris Trophy candidates. He's got to be right at the top of the, the list. Would have had Hampus Lindholm on that list about 10 games ago, but he, he got quiet for a while and offensively. And Cole McCarr from Colorado, you're always going to when you talk, you talk Norris Trophy for the next 10 years. His name is going to come up, but right now Eric Carlson seems to be in the driver's seat, putting up fantastic numbers for a defenseman.
0: He is, but just like Bobrovsky, of all the times they've tried to say, well, maybe we can finally trade him, maybe we can get a market piece for him another one of those gigantic contracts with silly number of years on it i don't even know how many he's left but didn't he sign a 8 or 9 de- a year yeah, deal he did. just two he or three did. seasons
1: ago and, and well i think it was a little more than that but he 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 had all sorts of injuries with his heels and achilles and that sort of stuff but you know then we were talking to Kevin Kurtz, you know, who covered San Jose. And he said, sometimes people in San Jose, you know, it's the sunny weather, laid back California attitude. Now he must know he's near the end of his career and he's sort of bounced back. But anyway, as far as a Norris trophy candidates are concerned, he, he leads the top of the list. And then I said, well, keep going, Mike. I mean, who, who, who else is in line for an award? And I thought of the goaltending award and right now, there's no contest. Linus Ilmark, Ilmark is the odds on favorite to win the Vezina trophy. In the second place, in my mind, isn't even close. You know, Vanacek from New Jersey is 12 and 2. He's worth a mention. Connor Kelle- Helyabuk is 14 and 6, and Shusterkin's starting to come around. But right now, the way he's played the game, the key saves that he's made, I mean, hand him the trophy. Do you have any argument with that, Ben?
0: I have zero argument with that. Matter of fact, with that shootout win, did Olmark not, I believe I saw this in the NHL.com website, uh, Linus Olmark became the number one all-time leader in shootout wins and percentage. We've only been doing it since, what, 2009, 2010, but apparently in that span of time, no one has been better at the goaltending side of it than Linus Olmark as of last night.
1: Huh. That's a good pickup by you. And lastly, you know, we talk about all these teams, some of the surprise teams or the disappointing teams, and when you think about how they got there, you think about their coaching. And right now, I mean, Allmark, hands down, wins the Vezeneff They took the vote today. And Jim Montgomery would win the would mean when the Jack Adams for coach of the year,
0: go figure that one, huh? I mean,
1: <laughs> great stuff. I mean, it's uh, Lindy Ruff would get a mention, maybe Peter DeBoer and Dallas or Rick bonus in Winnipeg. But as far as I'm concerned, is a, this has been a remarkable season for the Boston Bruins and his, his performance by uh, behind the bench deserves a ton of credit. And, <laughs> And with that I think we're out of time Ben.
0: We are, but uh, I want to squeak an extra 30 seconds from you cuz I got to ask you how did it feel seeing Big Zadeno Chara taking up the other side with Ray Bork in his first Bruins alumni game. I'm sure you caught that one.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I've been in those alumni games and there it's not the same as an NHL game. It's 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 like a a tour down memory lane, but it's a good tour it's a good tour when you have <laughs> two great guys like Ray Bork and Zidane Char, And, uh, you know, I'm sure you're going to see plenty more of Big Z on the ice at Warrior and some of these alumni games. So it's fun. Always fun to see those good guys come back and get, you know, get involved and make a few bucks for charity.
0: Oh, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Mike, thank you so much for uh, joining us here, as always, on Gloves Off Hockey here on WMEX. You have a fantastic rest of your week, and we'll catch up with you again next week, bud. You've been listening to Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury here on WMEX, brought to you by Ketches Law. Check them out online at KetchesLaw.com.